Welcome into another episode of ESPN's Hoops Podcast, and we have hit a big milestone on the road to the FIBA World Cup today. The Boomers have announced their 18-man squad, and that's why it's a special occasion today. I'm Kane Pittman, and alongside me, one of the busiest men, I'll say the, the busiest man in basketball media, Olga Nulic, is with me. He's come down to a superior city. He was in Melbourne for about six months. He went back to Sydney for three and said, i got to get back to Melbourne. So he's back with me in person, which is a big occasion for a big day, as I said, on the road to the World Cup. Don't say superior city. None of your trains work. This is absurd. It's a weird city to be in. Um, it's cold as wow. hell. Sydney's terrific right now, and I can't wait to get back. But no, it's otherwise good to be in the building. Well, it is the first time we've podcasted in person in this studio uh, for several months we've been going over zoom for a while and there's been a lot that's happened but we've been discussing the idea of doing a podcast about the boomers and we actually didn't necessarily plan it today that the squad was going to come out nope. this morning we were talking about it last night and i said to you well i don't actually think that the squad coming out is going to change the conversations we're going to have so a lot of this we decided we were going to talk about already but we'll be able to break down the squad as we roll on here and Maybe I can read out the squad in its entirety as we move forward, but I don't want to bury the lead here because it's something that I do from time to time and you have the big topic and you don't quite get to it fast enough. Ben Simmons. We haven't had a conversation about Ben Simmons for a while and I think that whether it was last week with some news that came out regarding Ben Simmons and potentially playing for the Boomers or today the fact that he wasn't in the squad, uh, where are you sitting with the Ben Simmons conversation in relation to this year's Boomer squad? Uh, I think we should... I think everyone should just take a step back. Mm -hmm. uh, we've been through this a lot, just as an Australian basketball ecosystem of, you know, a will-he-won't-he he with Ben Simmons. Um, he's done this a lot, where he has presumably, or ostensibly expressed a desire to play. There is an, obviously a desire for the Boomers to bring him in, and then, for one reason or another, it doesn't happen. Whether it's a contract thing, whether it's I want to work on my game. This one I feel like is perhaps like the most dubious because he's coming off a back injury, didn't play the back end of the NBA season, and we we don't know how his health is right now. Um, and so Brian Gorgian came out on SEN and said there is a strong chance that he'll be a part of the squad. He wasn't part of the, the first selection round. Uh, we'll see what happens. There is potential for him to be added to it. Uh, ESPN's Brian Windhorst reported that Simmons has a desire to play and a lot of it will come down to how he recovers from his back injury how his rehab goes but I feel like at this point we just have to the, the default position should be that he is not playing so a couple of things and I went back and listened to the SEN interview with Brian Gordon so I think the first thing that we need to acknowledge is that anytime over the last few years that Brian Gordon has been asked about Ben Simmons his answer has been the same <laughs> he's been very supportive about the idea of Ben Simmons playing for the Boomers so when these articles first started to drop late last week i read them and it didn't it didn't change anything about my <laughs> thought process for the rest of my day i said okay fair enough and i moved on and went on so i did just didn't read much into it like honestly i i, I sort of did because it was it sounded very direct it was there's a strong chance he makes it which makes me think that brian gorgian has spoken with ben he's spoken with his camp but it, it just has the feel of the things that we the, the situation we've gone over we've gone through over and over again which is Ben wants to play. Brian Gordon wants him to play. It doesn't inevitably happen. And with the with the drop of this list, as in, why wouldn't you put Ben Simmons on the list if there is a, a apparently a strong chance he's going to play? It, it, again, it just doesn't make sense. It just it. 
I agree with you. It seems like Brian Gorgian, the optimist at this point. So what does the squad mean then? And that's the thing. If there's going to be changes along the way, things can right. change in the next few months. So the squad is what it is. There's some names there. We'll get into it. So I said I didn't think too much about this. And then a couple of hours after that, I did SDN Radio with Damian Martin and Paul Hazelby over in the West. And Mardo asked me the question about Ben Simmons. Would you pick him in the squad? I remember we did our starting five for the World Cup way too early on the jump at the start of the NBL season. which We're talking months and months and months ago. And I had Ben Simmons in my starting five. And ever, and the people, in the, I think that they thought I was crazy. Why are you doing this? <laughs> but I said, because the idea of Ben Simmons on the Boomers team, forget what he can do offensively for a second or what he can't do. It doesn't really matter. Uh, but defensively, I don't think that you can have enough versatile defenders in case you do come up against one of the absolute powerhouses later in the tournament, obviously the US. So that's why I had Ben Simmons in my starting five because I wanted to be optimistic about what Ben could do in the last NBA season and then moving through to the World Cup. But now, he didn't play at all in 21-22. This year, he did come back. He did play 42 games, actually, which is probably a higher number than most people would guess if you just asked them to. Over a 1,000 minutes, so a decent sample size, but he hasn't played since February. We really didn't hear anything about it. And to be honest, nobody actually knows anything about the health of Ben Simmons right now. And if you go into the squad, which is what we should move into now, this isn't your old boomer squads where everyone, they're talented. They've had some really talented groups. But there are going to be some NBA players potentially that miss out. And there's going to just be some absolute world-class players, particularly at the guard position, that aren't going to make the squad. So to it would be a, it would be a big risk to just say, well, we haven't seen Ben Simmons play for months. He's been nowhere near his best. Like, that's fair to say. So if you pick Ben Simmons in the final 12, and there's a lot of water to go under the bridge, it would be a major risk for a team that has metal expectations. Okay, so do you think Ben Simmons is a guard? No, 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 but if do if it depends which way he wants to play. Like we haven't seen Ben Simmons play as a guy that doesn't play as a guard offensively. So defensively, no, he would guard threes, fours, even potentially fives, and that's why I think the versatility conversation with the defense is worth having it. But on offense, he his skill set, hey, he's gonna have the ball in his hands. We haven't seen him play with the ball out of his hands. But I. I don't even think you put the... So, the, the question is, okay, Ben Simmons is in the squad. Ben Simmons is, at this point in his career, where, where he sits right now, is reputational, right? In the sense that, who has proven more in FIBA basketball, Ben Simmons or Josh Giddy, right? You would probably lean toward putting the ball in Josh Giddy's hands before Ben Simmons' hands in international basketball. You obviously do the same with, with Patty Mills. You do the same with Joe Ingles. And then, as if he's a four or five, which is what I think he is, he's a frontcourt guy in international basketball... Does, has he shown... Who would you trust more down the stretch of a game? Ben Simmons or Nick Kay, right? On both ends of the floor. That's a legitimate question at this point. This isn't Ben Simmons who averaged 16, 8, and 8. This is Ben Simmons coming off a bad season with the Brooklyn Nets and who is clearly not completely healthy and the hope is that if he did play for the Boomers, he would be. But I think that the question is, are you treating this guy like an idea of a player or are you treating him like the actual practical person that's in front of you and are you just going to pick him over someone like Nick Kay or play him over someone like Jock Landau potentially because of what he did over the past few years as opposed to what he did most recently? I, I feel like it's it's a bad precedent to set to set if you just immediately enter him into the squad and, and decide, okay, cool, you are Ben Simmons, a famous man. Let's build around you. Well, I'm glad you said that because I don't, I, I still don't, I'm not looking at it the same way you are. 
I agree with you defensively, the positional stuff, where, who he would be guarding. So then you sit back and you say, okay, well, he would replace a big. But I, I don't agree with that. He would have to replace a guard, I believe, because of on offense. Like I said, we haven't seen him play off the ball. And then it comes down to the question that you're talking about. If he's not doesn't have the ball in his hands, he doesn't shoot, we haven't seen him play as an off-ball offensive threat. So is he even playable towards the back end of games? That... I don't know, but I'm saying that's the conversation you would have to ask. So that's why I think when you look at the depth of the squad, and maybe we get into this now, I think it would be one of the guards that he would have to take their spot rather than the bigs. Because I think if you're actually looking at where the questions are for this team, it's definitely the bigs. I don't think they have the depth. And remember, we've been so fortunate for over a decade now, Bogut and Baines. Two NBA quality guys that just come in, can dominate games defensively. Baines wasn't in the squad. That's obviously noteworthy, and we'll see what happens. But you don't have those two guys as it currently sits today. That That is a massive change from what we've been so comfortable with as fans of the game watching from the outside. Yeah, I I think, and, and granted, I probably have to think more deeply about it, but if I, if I was picking a team today, I would treat Ben Simmons like a big. And the person who, let's say I had a team already prepared and I had to take someone out for Ben Simmons... I'd probably take out a big for him. That's the way. That's where I see him playing at, at, in the international game. I look at what did, what did Giannis do at the last World Cup. I, I don't think he was as effective just because of the nature of the way he played and playing in international basketball is a lot different, right? You need you need spacing. There's no spacing in, in the international game, right? What the hell is Ben gonna, Ben Simmons going to do without spacing, right? Well, he, he, that's right. Exactly. Um, it's probably worth going through this list at this point. And uh, final point because I need to get the last word in here. <laughs> So if he can't play off the ball and you're saying that spacing is a problem, then he's probably going to be best suited with the ball in his hands because the defense is not going to care. I'm the opposite. If he can't play off the ball, as in, I think he's Andrew Bogut. Andrew Bogut at the top of the key. Andrew Bogut, not a a, a complete non-shooter. Well, at least toward the back end of his career. I think he thought he was was also a a dominant rebounder and like had an excellent touch around the basket. Well, I don't know. I think Ben Simmons could be just as good a rebounder. I think he can be just as good a passer in, in, in the international game. Imagine all of the sets that the Boomers ran. You know, Bogut at the top of the key, people cutting off him, the beautiful style of basketball that Australia played. Yeah, I don't see why you can't do that with Ben Simmons playing the Bogut role and Jock Landau playing the Baines role. It's a nice idea. We just haven't seen it. Like I, I, Everything's I an idea at this point. Everything with Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons to Andrew Bogut. I mean, you're talking about like the, probably the best big man the country's seen and, and completely underrated with his skill set. I'm purely talking about those specific skill sets as far as passing the ball and I think but Ben Simmons is 6'10", 250. He has yeah. and, and more athletic than Bogut, right? I think he has the, the physicality and athleticism to sort of step into that role and do those few things in an elite way. Yep, I'm with you there and if he does make the squad, as I said, I, I think it would be if he's all in and he's healthy, but I don't know how he shows that he's healthy, but if he's all in and he's ready to go, then it would be a, a challenging decision whether you, one of these guards misses out or the picks. It's going to be really challenging, but I think regardless of how you feel about it, if it's true that Ben Simmons is putting his hand up and he's interested in being a part of it, I think that's an overwhelming positive for Australian basketball because don't forget we've got the World Cup this year, but we've also got the Olympics next year as well. And hopefully by that point, Ben Simmons has a year of really solid NBA basketball under his belt as well, which he probably didn't get a chance to do. If we just go through the squad, because we've just had the conversation about guards and bigs, this is how I separated it. And 
yeah, feel free to pick apart any of, of these names here in terms of positional stuff. But I've got guards, wings, and bigs. Yes. And some of the wings and big stuff is interchangeable. So, yeah, you, you could certainly pick this apart. But for guards, I've got Dyson Daniels, Daly, Dante Exum, Josh Giddy, Chris Goulding, Will McDowell-White, and Paddy Mills. Wings, I've got Josh Green, Joe Ingles, Matisse Thibel. And then the bigs, uh, Sam Froling, which uh, was a name that was a part of the Boomers through qualification, was with the Boomers for the Asia Cup campaign last year as well. So he's been a big part of the team getting here. So he's in the squad probably um, for what he's done and familiarity and playing under Gorge a little bit. So I like that. Nick Kay, Jock Landau, Thon Maker, Keanu Pinder, Dwight Breath, Jack White, Xavier Cooks. And Jack White, Xavier Cooks, you know, they're, they're Wings, interchangeable. Bigs. Yeah. Okay. Did you put? Did you have Giddy as a wing? No, no. Okay. No, you didn't. Okay. No. I'm writing your list down. Yeah. Um. What What was the first outside of obviously no Ben, right? Because the conversation was Ben going into the release of this and he wasn't on it. Uh, outside of that, was was Bane's omission the biggest surprise in this to you? Yes. And mostly because when I look at the bigs and that again it hasn't really been a decision they've had to make in the past so i was just curious about what names were going to be there in this squad he's been obviously a staple for the team over the major tournaments for a decade so as i actually went through the list i did look for ben simmons first and then <laughs> and then qu- quickly after that it was very noticeable that that baines wasn't there I, I admit i was surprised even though it's not like he tore the NBL apart last year. I don't think the expectation should have been there anyway. But I thought we saw enough of him having good moments in the NBL to say, okay, the progression is there. Uh, and I just thought he would be a part of it. Yeah, I'm I'm very surprised. Um, like, So you're telling me Aaron Baines can't make an 18-man mm. boomer squad. Ahead of, let's say, Duop Reith was part of that Olympic team. Sure. Thonmaker. I, I don't know what he's done to show that he's more worthy of a spot than Aaron Baines. And that's even putting aside Aaron Baines's position in the program as a whole, as a leader, as someone who's been there for a while. I don't know what... Thonmaker just is doing something in China right now. I don't think he's performed at, at a crazy elite level anywhere he's played. I, I was surprised by him being in there over Aaron Baines. Um, and then you've got to think about the teams that you're going to eventually go up against. And let's say a Germany and we'll go through the the, the pool round the, the first group phase uh, opponents of the boomers in a little bit but you know Germany like Daniel Tice Isaiah Hartenstein you know, there's going to be Mo Wagner really solid bigs that you're going to go up against and when you get into the final stages if you go up against France and let's say it's Rudy Gobert let's say Victor Wembanyama plays you know who's guarding these guys right Aaron Baines, at the very least, has experience doing that on the international stage, and he's just got he's just got the size to do it. Whereas Jock Landale, I think, is the only true big on this roster, and I feel like you need more than one going into an international tournament. All right, I think there's also some room to have some emotional investment in players, so I think I kind of wanted Aaron Baines to be there uh, for another shot at it and hopefully getting a chance to play as well. So I think that was part of it for me. And I sh- we should acknowledge that. There's some bias there. You, you've seen him do it before. He's he's had so much to do with the success and, and wasn't able to be a part on the court. Bronze mm. medalist, but wasn't able to be uh, on the court there. So I kind of wanted to see him have another chance. The only thing I'd say with Thon Maker, he was a part of the World Cup 
qualification process as well, particularly those games in Melbourne. Then he went across to the Asia Cup. But those games in Melbourne, he was playing under Brian Gorge. And so it's not like he's been plucked from nowhere. Brian Gorgian has seen him up close for a number of weeks with the team. So, hey, Gorge maybe saw something that he wanted to bring him in and give him a chance to be a part of the World Cup as well. And yeah, I'm not I'm not going to sit here and say, yeah, I'm following him closely, what he's doing in China. I don't know. That's the yeah. last time I've seen him uh, closely. But I imagine for Gorge to make this decision, he's seen something in that period. Totally. I, and I don't think... I, I well, At the very least, I like to hope that none of these decisions are, are made either based on reputation or the idea of players or things like that. I, yep. I'd like to think that these are thought-through decisions. Um, I... I also don't hate the idea of just make it like a 21-man squad. Just to, at the very least, the leadership of someone like Aaron Baines. You know, I was surprised not to see someone like DJ Vasiljevic mm-hmm. in this squad. Purely because there is one out of the like ancillary guys that we're pointing to, so the non-Patty Mills and the non-Joe Ingles guys, there is one no-leave shooter on this squad, and that's Chris Golding, right? And so, at the very least, bring another one to camp and see what see what you've got in someone like DJ. I'm surprised someone like Luke Travers isn't on this list purely because he's a probable boomer of the future why not bring him to camp bring bring Aaron Baines to camp and hey these guys can learn under longtime boomer Aaron Baines just like little things that I, it just doesn't feel like it's thought through which I'm very confused by it, it's it's I think it's a young squad it's it's relatively new and I, I just feel like they could have benefited a ton from having some of these older guys just at camp at the very least it's also a pretty awesome squad. Like, oh, I'm not it looking. Is, I'm it not is looking, objectively a super talented squad. Yeah, I'm not looking through. So I'm nitpicking. Yeah, no, no, which is what we have to do. But when you <laughs> look at the names that you mentioned there, I agree with you. I was like, wow, that is notable that DJ wasn't there. Um, yeah. But I also then look at the list. Let's go. Well, okay, which one of these guards are you taking out for? It's hard. Like yeah. this is a really, really super talented 18, and somehow they're going to cut this to 12. Let me ask you this question. And we, again, asked this on the jump a couple of months back. So I'm fascinated to see what you say because between myself, Andrew Gaze, Leonard Copeland, we all had different answers. Okay. So who do you think, when you look at this 18, and project ahead to whoever you think is actually going to be there, obviously, who do you think is the most important player for this team to make a really deep run and be back in the medal games? What sucks is that you... You prepared me for this. The very like you asked me this before we went live, and I had this whole time to think about it. I'm gonna say Jock Landale. Unbelievable. That's what I said. Yes. No way. Yeah, and I think that, okay. And I got some sideways looks. Not, not just because uh, you think about some of the veterans. I think Gazy and Patty Mills. I said. I sat back and said, "Yep, fair." Okay, that's very cowardly okay <laughs> it's the coward's way no. yeah Paddy Mills so, like obviously I'm thinking we're thinking about like the, the X Factor sort of guy right yeah yes but what I will say with Paddy I don't think it's a bad answer because if you have Paddy Mills that's dropping 30 a night 40 in a medal game if if that's not the Paddy you get then this team may have some problems with who's been a go-to scorer so that's why I actually think it is a he said it I said okay maybe I'm the one that's thinking a little too deep yeah, about Paddy, this so Paddy I Mills think is a, a good answer yeah it's just like a, the easy answer yes yes but we'll you know Paddy didn't play a lot this year I think when he did play he showed us that he's still uh, at that level yeah. it was more roster composition than anything so I still feel pretty confident that he's going to be the Paddy Mills we've seen he's well rested but Jock Landau 
was my answer as well. And we've just recording this podcast Monday afternoon, so about an hour after the Phoenix Suns leveled the series with the Denver Nuggets 2-2. And Jock Landau, he has been just so vitally important for this team that outside of Devin Booker and uh, Kevin Durant are looking for anyone that can contribute. And he doesn't do anything flashy. But again, a team high plus 16 in his 21 minutes today. Four for six from the field. And a lot of those shots... Little dinky twos. He's hitting the offensive glass, putbacks, running the floor, as well as any big man, honestly, in the league. I don't even think that's an over-exaggeration. You watch the way that he pushes in transition without the ball. And sometimes he knows he's not going to get the ball, but he's doing yeah. that to oh, clear lanes, create space. He's Usain Bolt when he rim runs. Mate, he, he is just having a fantastic series. And because of the question marks around the big men with the boomers in this squad, he is, he is obviously the absolute lock, and he's the lock to start. Absolutely. And, and I think... With no Aaron Baines in this squad, it makes that makes my answer so much easier, right? He is the only I'd say true big mm-hmm. on this roster, um, and you got to think why is he succeeding in this Suns team over someone like DeAndre Ayton, who is wildly talented, right? It's because you're on a roster with I get Chris Paul's injured, but it's Devin Booker. He's your superstar. Kevin Durant is your superstar. You you have all of these stars who need the ball in their hands they, they need to go to work and so you need these ancillary guys just to do their job right just do those little things in order to keep things ticking right and if, if that just means playing straight up defense on Nikola Jokic if that just means you know um, getting every rebound you can running the floor like a madman so you can open up lanes for people if that's all you need to do then that's that's all you need to do and Jock Lanner has been elite at that and so when you look at the Boomer squad and we talk about how talented this squad is you know, if your starting lineup is someone is something like Giddy, Mills, maybe Thibel or Green, Ingles, right? You have these guys who they need to go get theirs, right? The ball needs to be in their hands. They they need to go to work. Jock Landau, we know, has the capacity to do more than what he's doing with the Phoenix Suns, and I think he can he would excel even more on the international stage. But his ability to sort of step back and play a role is so important, um, and I think what he's shown during this series with the Suns is that I think his game has taken a step up even more. So I think he's got the capacity and he's got sort of the humility. He's, uh, we've both spoken to Jock. He's brash, but he has the humility to step into a role and just be elite at it. Yeah, I love the confidence. There was a great clip that was going around in the last mm. couple of days where he was passionately defending uh, DeAndre Ayton when Jock Landau was the one in game three that got those minutes down the stretch and as there always is there was criticism of DeAndre Ayton but Jock Landau really really strong I know for a fact that he's a massive fan favorite he does a bunch of media over there uh, so he's obviously fit in really well on a team that's still you know 2-2 now they're in the mix they're hoping to win a title this year so we'll see it's going to be interesting Nick Kay is the other big with the real experience with this team do you think Nick K is a lock for yeah. the final twelve? Yeah, me too. I, I've every year, I've tried to convince myself that he's not, yeah. and I don't know why I do that. I think it's just because it'd be nice. I think over the past few years, it's been maybe Brock Modem. You know, does he deserve it? Do they need his shooting? Something like that. Nick K is as efficient as they come when it comes to big men shooters, and he's the sort of guy who is just always in the right spot defensively. And so I, I don't see a team where he's not on it. He's always the guy who, you know, he's he's the random dude on a roster that the, the casual basketball watcher doesn't know. And then they watch him play and they say, oh, wow, number, whatever number he is, is really good. And so I, I don't think you can keep him up. He, he's proven too many times 
on big stages in major international international tournaments that he's so effective on this team you can't leave him off I've said this before so I've probably said it on this podcast so people have probably heard me say it but those games they played against Team USA at Marvel I still remember some of the reporters that had come across from the US just asking and just in utter shock about what Nick K was doing well, who because the hell's this guy he, yeah he just does all the little things it's interesting that you mention something there and that is one thing that stands out to me when I look at the bigs and this is again maybe a reason why there's some surprise that Aaron Baines isn't there so Sam Frolin Keanu Pinder Dwight Breath, Jack White Xavier Cooks Jock Landau who hasn't shot the three well this year and actually just hasn't shot a lot of threes not a lot of shooting with the big man Nick Kay can knock him down obviously we've seen him do that I wonder if that's a point of difference with Don Maker potentially um it's rare in 2023 to have such a big group of bigs and you don't sit back and go, okay, which one is the floor spacer? It's probably Jock Landau, but... As in, it's Jock Landau, I think Nick Kay, and I think Duop Breath. Mm-hmm. Like, if those are your three bigs that you bring, and I think there's a good chance they are, and even before this uh, this squad came out, they were all on my projected list, mm-hmm. my, my projected final 12. Um, it, it wouldn't surprise me if all three of those guys are on that final roster. And obviously, depending on how they go at camp, I feel like that's maybe a pretty easy decision so Jack White again one of those guys that's versatile I, I should mention this because there might be people push back Jack White might even push back himself but you know he broke that Denver Nuggets three point shooting record he's been shooting the three okay so maybe, maybe Jack White uh, obviously a floor space we didn't see a lot of it in the NBL but worth mentioning do you think well, a couple more questions here from the squad related stuff so what I listed as the wings but there could be other guys Josh Green Joe Ingles Matisse Thibel. Those three locks for you? Yes. Okay. That's I easy. think I think you need Josh Green's shooting. Yep. He proved this year that he's he can probably be a hover around a forty percent three point shooter for the rest of his career if he wants to be. Mm-hmm. I think the shot got to that level and I think it's quite real. So I think they're all locks. Okay, let me ask you this question then, and this might be the more challenging. This might be the most challenging that when it comes down to it they'll have to make. So the guards that I had listed, Dyson Daniels, Daly, Dante Exum. Josh Giddy, Chris Goulding, Will McDowell-White, Patty Mills. Anyone missing out there? Uh, Delhi. Wow. Uh, I think I think Josh Giddy is a lock. I think he starts, mm-hmm. obviously. He's mm-hmm. the most prolific Australian. And maybe, I was thinking about it today, is he, maybe, is he coming off the most impressive NBA season ever from an Australian? Potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, Bogut had some good ones. Ben had some good ones. Um, Giddy, lock. Patty Mills, lock. Uh, who was it? Uh, Dyson is tricky. I think he makes it. Mm-hmm. I think his ability to play the point, his versatility, his ability to defend multiple positions, I think that's helpful. Um, I think Chris Golding is a lock. He's the only no-leave shooter out of all the complimentary guys on this team. I think you have to have him. And no Vasiljevic, again, makes... In the same way that Landale is now extremely important, Chris Golding is now extremely important as well. Yeah. Um, and I think he was a lock regardless. Um, and then I think Dante. Dante Exum has been extremely impressive for Partizan yeah. over in Europe, right? He was extremely impressive for the Boomers during their bronze medal run in Tokyo. I think it would take a lot for someone like Dante Exum not to make this team. And unfortunately, in based on this team that I have chosen, where I would also throw in um, someone like Xavier Cooks, right? Based on the season he's had. I would throw someone like that in there as a point of difference. Um and this is all not. This is all depending on if Ben makes it. If yeah. Ben makes it, maybe Zave Cooks isn't in it. I don't know. Um, but as far as the guards go, I think that's what I've got. And I think 
there is just no need for Matthew Delvadova because you have ball handlers and creators and initiators across the board. I think it's going to be fascinating how much they place value on having guys that... Because it doesn't matter what the team is. Probably guys 11 and 12, 10, 11, 12 aren't going to get major minutes. So it's, we're talking about a 40-minute game. Yeah. Now, the depth, you need it, and it's great. And you think about different contingencies for things that don't work out. But it'll be fascinating to see how much they value the experience, the knowledge of these sorts of tournaments and the things they go through. Uh, with Daly there but the guard position in Australia right now is absolutely loaded so I agree that'll be the fascinating storyline uh, before we wrap this up let's talk about the group so mm. the draw went down a couple of Saturdays ago gee it was a long production Ox you didn't like the the robot dancing you didn't like having to spend an hour watching a robot dance and then also watching Saweetie after the draw well, she was on fire, actually. I, didn't, <laughs> I actually didn't. I actually didn't mind that too much. That was probably the good part. But no, then they got to the draw. Uh, tough group, really tough. Finland, Germany, Japan. Yeah, challenging. I, I don't. I still think Australia are probably the favourite. And if you look at the depth of the squad, I think they'll have the best squad. But there isn't an easy game there. No, and and we can have two thoughts at once. We can say Australia is, and quite rightly, should be the favourite. To, to win that group and also it's a very tough group Yeah, and it wouldn't be the most surprising thing in the world if they don't progress <laughs> through that stage right as much as again they should and that should be the expectation um, you look at Finland they will more than likely have Larry Markkinen mm. right if any game he plays in that group stage he is the best player on the floor right Germany is sneakily deep not even sneakily no. they're quite they're quite outrightly they're, they're very deep it's Dennis Schroeder it's Franz Wagner um, it's Johannes Voigman, who Euroleague legend, right? It's the other Wagner, Mo Wagner. Um, he has a name. Um, Daniel Tice, Isaiah Hartenstein. Like these, these are teams that are relatively deep and they have size too. And Japan's the home team. And all it takes is Rui Hachimura going crazy in a group game to maybe win them one, right? Or Yuta Watanabe catching fire from deep, right? All these little things can happen, and, and it could obviously spell death for the Boomers. Again, the Boomers are extremely deep and have the kind of top-tier talent to, to win that group. But it's not going to be easy. At the very least, it'll be fun. Oh, it'll be fun, that's for sure. And yeah, in these one-off matchups, that's why a team like Japan is challenging. The blueprint's pretty simple for Japan. And they may have some of those big names back. So then they have some star power as well. But uh, they shoot a ton of threes. Yeah. If you go back and look at the stats, even just from the Asian qualification for the World Cup, uh, they were getting up 36 threes a game. The second-ranked team in terms of three-point attempts per game was Indonesia, and they were at 32. Australia was under 30. So if you're getting up 36 threes in a 40-minute game, they didn't necessarily shoot it that well. That's something that we should point out. They were at around 30%, it was, if this is off the top of my head. But like home court luck, like who knows? Yeah, and one game. Yeah. You can go, you can go crazy from three in one game and, and beat anyone. They were pretty competitive. I think it was... I think it was Spain. They had a a game in the last major tournament. They only lost by ten points against one of the powers. So yeah, yeah, they can be they can be a challenge. So that's the one game that you look at and you say, okay, the buck, uh, the the bucks. Sorry, I mean, the podcast a little bit too much about the more okay. bucks. The boomers, they need to uh, lock that one away. Like that's yeah. the must have. You you have to win one of the other two games. You'd like to go through undefeated, but yeah, it's it's going to be that. But I, I like it. That's, you're going to be fired up. You're going to be a little anxious, excited to watch these group games. And then it does get, I say easier, it, it, it looks less daunting in the second group phase 
you would assume that in the group following the boomers, it's Slovenia and Venezuela that if would Luka get through. Luka Doncic is listening to this podcast. He is highly Luka. offended, and he's going to remember your latest comments. Okay, I was going to say that Slovenia is one of the good teams that they're <laughs> going to get through, and then it'll probably be Venezuela, yes. who I'm told Australia will play in warm-up games okay. in Melbourne, and so they will have a decent look at them. Um, but they're not at the level of some of those high-level Euro teams or anything like that, and so... If you do go up against a Venezuela in the second group phase, it's not it's not that bad. That's actually quite decent going into potential quarterfinals. So you dropped uh, today a story just relating to the overall squad. Uh, if you check uh, Olgan's Twitter, you also see in a little thread there, he's got his previous story about the warm-up games. But just quickly, as we finish this up, so what's the next few months look like for the Boomers? They've got a camp, they're going to play some warm-up games, but with the tournament starting in late August... Uh, not too far away it's going to come around really really quickly yeah so uh, there'll be a camp in Cairns uh, the start of August uh, Boomers will then head to Melbourne play some warm up games I'm told they love that they, they love them so I'm, I'm told that'll be uh, against Brazil South Sudan which has a lot of uh, Australian based NBL players in it you'll mm-hmm. potentially see Joe Luala Chuel in it Paul Kual uh, Sunday Detch those sorts of guys and Venezuela will be in that sort of crop as well to play warm up games in Australia uh, and then Boomers will eventually do a bit more camp, head off to Tokyo to continue doing some camps and, and maybe a warm-up game or two. And then, lucky for them, that was the plan already going into the draw. And then the draw put them in Okinawa, Japan, um, <laughs> which is where I'm going to be Yes, for the World Cup. And you'll also be on the World Cup coverage. Um, At some location in the world. Just somewhere. Yes. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the, the lead-up plan. But yeah, right now it's sort of just... We're just biding our time until August. Yeah, love it. And you mentioned South Sudan. I think they're a really good chance if you look at their group. They're, and they're just going to be a fun team to watch for Australian basketball fans. Uh, and then for our friends in New Zealand, well, they got the USA Greece. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> good luck to you. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be challenging. But it is always fun when you get to see uh, Team USA. So that's an interesting group there, Jordan, in that group there as well. So it might be challenging uh, for our Kiwi uh, friends. It's good to catch up with you, Olgs, in person. I know you've got, you've got a flight to catch. Yeah, a bit later tonight. It was good to see you. No, it was great. And make sure you go to ESPN.com.au for all the basketball news uh, that just continues to roll on. The NBA playoffs, we briefly mentioned Jock Landale still alive. Jack White with Denver, he's not eligible to play, but he's got some great seats there uh, courtside to watch Jokic, who dropped 53 in today's game and was getting in fights with fans in the crowd. So the postseason is, uh, is getting pretty exciting. And uh, obviously, we'll have a lot more coverage with that coming up over the next few weeks. See you, everybody.